0: I remember the day uh, like it was yesterday, but it was almost exactly 24 years ago. I got my driver's license, and for some reason I was driving my mom's car, a 1994 Chevy Lumina V6. And uh, I dropped my parents off or my mom off, and that was the first time I was able to drive by myself. And I backed out of the driveway real calm, quiet, gentle got away from the house, got to the corner of Marshall and Whip. We lived over in Centerville. And as soon as the light turned green, I just gunned it, turned left and gunned it. And and the the back just started to slide out. And so I had to let off the gas and overcorrect and overcorrect and overcorrect and just fishtailed down the street. And I quickly realized that the car was something that I had a hard time controlling. It wasn't easy to keep it under control, and and I'm sure everybody's had situations like that where there's something similar. Maybe it was like trying to train a dog. My parents' dog, last dog before we left the house, Mac, I took him to obedience school, he, he, didn't, he never learned. He was just a stubborn, stubborn dog, and, he, and I had a very hard time controlling him, and I'm sure that we've all had something similar that was a time where something was hard to control, something had more power than we realized that it did. Um, same thing happened when I got to ride a jet ski for the first time, but flew off of it when you hit it and turn sharp, right? And, but I think we've all had something that we've, that we've tried to control, we've tried to tame, and, and, it, and it just doesn't work. But today we're talking about something that's harder to tame than, than that Chevy, Luma, Chevy Lumina. It's harder to tame than a Corvette or a Charger or a Ferrari or Lamborghini. Anybody in here? Car people? It's harder to tame than that. We're talking about something that's harder to tame than a honey badger, than a lion, than a tiger, than a, a wild horse. What we're going to talk about today is learning to tame our tongues. It is uh, not easy. Um, I am extremely guilty of, of this. So we're going to do two things today. We're going to talk about one, why is it that we should learn to um, be slow to speak? And number two, how is it that we tame our tongues? Before we do that, let's take a quick reminder of where we've been. We've been in this series called Summer School. We've had different people teaching on different topics. It's been really cool to see how God has kind of shaped all of that. But we've talked about anxiety and shame and the purpose of life being to abide in Christ. We've talked about freedom and thankfulness and mental mental illness and the church's role in it. Um, last week, if you were here, Kevin preached on listening. Man, I hated that message. Anybody else hate that message? <laughs> Um, thanks, Stephanie, for pointing out that how bad he needed it so that we could get it as well. Um, uh, but um, last week when Kevin was sharing about listening, um, he talked about six lessons on good listening. And if you weren't here, I highly advise you to try to take a listen to it. Um, but that good listening requires patience. It's an act of love. It prevents misunderstanding. It prepares you to speak well. It ministers all by itself, and it reflects our relationship with God. But in it, he talked about the verse James one nineteen, And James 1.19 says this, Know this, my um, beloved brothers, let every person be quick to listen and slow to speak and slow to become angry. But last week, what he talked about was listening. He talked about the heard word, that be quick to listen part. Well, today, we're going to talk about that very next part, slow to speak. It is um, not easy for us. But one of the things I want to do, I want to to have a point of clarification. Um, It's really easy when we talk about the tongue, or we talk about um, the spoken word, or if we talk about our lips. So many of these verses say that, and it's easy to just start thinking about the things that we say, but we can talk with our hand when we write. We can talk with our fingertips if we get on Facebook and say something, or if we say something on Instagram with our thumbs on our phones. We can, we can speak in a variety of different ways that don't just come from our mouth. Um, if you've ever been on the highway and accidentally cut somebody off, you may have even seen something that's communicating a message to you. So uh, when we're talking about taming our tongues, I want to be very careful that we're not just talking about like the things that we say, right? Like just if I said to Tristan, you look beautiful today, and she would throw me the ball back and say, you look even better, and I would say, thank you, you're, you're right, you're right. Um, but it's also possible that I send out a message um, in a totally different way. I might get on, um, on Facebook, and I might say, you know, the thing that you have to say is so stupid. And they might say something back even worse than that. Or, again, you, you might be driving on the highway. Somebody cuts you off, and they say, you know, <laughs> and she would say, I'm sorry, right? <laughs> So whenever we're talking about taming the tongue, we're talking about being slow to speak, we're not just talking about the words that come out of our mouth, we're talking about any message that we send out. Through any outlet, through any forum, any words that we speak, any any typing that we do through our fingertips, through our thumbs, we're talking about today being slow to speak. Taming our tongue. So, how many of you like me have ever suffered with a thing called foot-mouth syndrome. Yeah, man, our mouths can get us in a lot of trouble. So, today, as we talk about every message that we send out, we're going to talk about two things. One, why should we be slow to speak? And two, how can we tame our tongues? For the verse today, we're going to continue in that same verse, like I said, that that Kevin used last week. And so we're going to do something a little bit different. I'd like everybody to repeat after me. James 1.19. Let each of us be quick to listen and slow to speak. Let's pray. God, I confess that this tongue of mine is much harder to tame than any car I've driven. It's harder to learn to use it correctly than was to learn to ride a bike. It's harder to tame my tongue than to tame any animal that I have tried to tame. God, I confess that I have often used my words wrong. I confess that I have been hurt by other people's words. And God, I know that there's that saying that says sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. And God, I know that that is not true. I have seen the pain in people's eyes when I have used words wrongly to them. So God, I pray that today you would help us understand why it is so important to tame our our tongues and that you would meet us where we're at and you would use today. In Jesus' name, amen. So number one, why is it that we should be slow to speak. I want to start with two. There's gonna be two things. Number one, the reason why we should be slow to speak is because once you say something, it's out there, right? Once it's out there, it's out there. And that can be proved in a variety of different ways. One of those ways I think it can be proved is this. I am sure that everybody in this room can either think of a positive or a negative thing that someone has said to them. And it may even go back years. It may go back decades, and you can remember just like that something that somebody said. Because the thing about words is once you, once you put them out there, they're there. They're out there for good, right? And so you might remember something that a teacher said. Anybody here, you can just raise your hand. This is just going to be an easy part. How many people remember specifically something a teacher ever said to them? Positive or negative? Okay, there may be something that a parent said to you, positive or negative. Do you remember any of those? What about a coach? pastor? No, don't remember anything they say. What about um, when a past boyfriend or girlfriend broke up with you? Remember those things? Words, um, once they're out there, they're out there. How many people in here, and you don't have to raise your hands for this, can you remember something that you said to somebody that hurt them? I can specifically remember being in elementary school and i can remember three or four different things i said to three or different four three or four different people and i can still 30 years later see their face once you say something it's out there you can't take it back you can apologize you can ask for forgiveness you can you can then try to Butter them up, but, but once you speak, the words are out there, and so I think it's very important that we should learn to be slow to speak. Secondly, um, why should we learn to be slow to speak? Because there is great power in words. I'm going to read a couple of verses, and then we're going to talk about some of the things that those say. Proverbs 12:18: "There is one whose rash words are like sword thrusts, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. Proverbs 15.1, a soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. Proverbs 15.4, a gentle tongue is a tree of life, but perverseness in it breaks the spirit. James 3.5, so also a tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. Proverbs 18, 21, the tongue has the power of life and death. Just in those handful of verses, we can see that our words have great power. They have the power for healing or for thrusting swords. Our words have power to turn away wrath or to stir up anger. They can can diffuse a situation or they can ignite a situation. Our words can give life or they can break a spirit. Our words can give life or our words can be like death. If you continue reading throughout the Bible, you, you'd read um, Proverbs chapter 6, verse 16 through 19. And, and, and this, to me, speaks such, so much to the power that are, that's in our words. Proverbs six sixteen says this, there are six things that the Lord hates. Three of those things are associated with our lips and the words that we speak. Number one, a lying tongue. God hates a lying tongue. Number two, a false witness. Number three, one who sows discord among brothers. Three of the six things that God hates are directly tied to words that we use and how we use our words. There's great power in words. But again, it's not the power of just the words, right? It's the power of the words that we, we speak. It's the power of the words that we write. It's the power of the words that we, the nonverbals. Um, how many people in here have ever um, had a teenager that they've raised and seen some eye rolling? Yes. It's a message. How many people have seen the hands on the hips So it's any message that we send, and the words have great power. You could also look through Scripture, and you could also see that the Bible describes that our words have power in the way that they can build up or they can tear down. They can avoid a fight or insist on quarreling. They can bring wisdom or folly. Our words can escape trouble or ensnare us. They can make someone glad or they can weigh them down. They can bless. They can curse. They can bring knowledge or they can bring foolishness. With our words, we have the power to bring understanding or to create confusion. We can feed people or imprison them. We can speak love or hate. We can spread acceptance or rejection. We can give hope. We can shatter it. Our words can be a fountain of life or they can be filled with violence. Our words can be thankful or complaining, thoughtful or careless, careful or rash. There is tremendous power. In the words that we use. If you really think through um, history, it is with words that racism is spread, that sexism is spread, that people cast judgment, that people speak hatred or dissension or gossip. With our words, we can be sarcastic we can quarrel, we can argue, we can meddle in other people's business, we can tease people, belittle people, we can lie, tell half-truths, be deceitful. With our words, we can exaggerate, manipulate, retaliate, and intimidate. There's tremendous power in words. So why is it that we should learn to be slow to speak? Two reasons. One, because anytime we speak, once it's out there, it's out there. And number two, because our words have great power. With our words, we can puff ourselves up. We can look like we know it all. We can promote ourselves. We can be self absorbed. We can make sure that any conversation comes back to me. There's tremendous words, tremendous power in words. So then, how are we to tame our tongues? James one twenty six says this, If anyone thinks he's religious and does not bridle his tongue but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. So when we are someone who goes through this life without taming our tongues, it is as if God is saying, your religion is worthless. But James 3.2 says, For we all stumble in many ways. And if anyone is able to, to uh, does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man able to bridle his whole body. What, what James is saying, if you can control this, you can control everything in your entire body. Well, that sounds pretty easy. Just, just this and I got everything, right? But it's not quite that easy. In fact, James 3.8 says that no human being can tame the tongue. So how is it that we tame our tongue? Number one, we can. not You can try, 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 and you will not be able to tame it. You might for a little bit. But even David, man after God's own heart in Psalm 39, says this, I said, I will guard my ways that I might not sin with my tongue. How many many of us have ever said something like that in our hearts? Like, God, I I promise from this point forward, I will not sin with my tongue. I'm not going to do it anymore. And then it goes on and says, I will guard my mouth with a muzzle. But then a verse later, David says, But my heart became hot within me. And then another verse later, he says, and then I spoke with my tongue. King David, a man after God's own heart, sought to to tame his tongue, and he found that he couldn't do it. And Scripture in the book of James tells us that none of us can tame our tongues. How are we to do it? We can't tame our tongue. Why can't we tame our tongues then? Jesus speaking in Matthew chapter twelve, verse thirty four, and in Luke chapter six, forty five, he says, For out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks. The reason why we can't control this is because it's not just this, it's coming from here. I read this article. Um, On billygram.org, it was written by a guy named Scott Morton who, who worked with Navigator's Campus Ministry for years, and he said, it is as if there is a bicycle chain that connects our heart to our mouth. And no matter what, whatever comes out of your mouth is always driven by your heart. That's why we can't tame our tongues, because it's coming from somewhere deeper than our tongues, it's coming from our heart. He, he says, uh, Scott Morton again, he says, bridling our tongue means dealing with our heart. Most of the time what we try to do is we try to behavior modify this, just try to keep this closed. But, but we can try to, with our behaviors, modify this, but it doesn't, it doesn't work because the problem goes much deeper than here. It goes all the way into our heart. Um, The way that I would describe it is this, I I think our mouth is merely a thermometer that measures the temperature of our heart. If you think about this, when you go to the doctor, what do they do? They give you a a thermometer, they put it in your mouth, they put it under your tongue, and within minutes they can tell you what your temperature is. Well, I think it's the same thing. Our mouth, um, it's not what goes under our tongue, but what comes out through our tongue that measures the temperature of our heart. Our mouth is merely like a thermometer that's pointing to the condition of our heart. But again, it's not just our verbals. It's our nonverbals, verbals it's things that we write, any message that we send out. So he, here's the thing, when, when we realize, and, and I'm in this boat for sure, that when we realize that we have a mouth problem, it's actually telling us that we have a heart problem. That means when I have an argumentative tongue, I actually have a heart problem. That means when I have a complaining tongue, it's a heart problem. When I have rash or a critical tongue, I have a heart problem. When I have a judgmental tongue or a tongue that is lashing out, it's exposing to me there is a heart problem. Because the things that we say are simply an outward manifestation of what is happening inside. We can try like we may, try like we might, but no human being can tame the tongue because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Okay, now what? How are we to tame our tongues? We can't. Number two, He can. We can't, but He can. And it is very important because Matthew chapter 12, verse 36 says, Jesus says that we will give an account for every careless word we speak. If, we think, if you really think about the ramifications of this, that no one in this room, that, that I myself, that none of you, we cannot control our tongue, and yet we are going to be stand before God for every careless word we speak. I don't know about you, but that drives me to Christ because I need some serious forgiveness. It drives me to Jesus because of 1 John chapter 1, verse 9 that says this, If we confess our sins, He, Jesus, is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Those two truths that we cannot tame our tongue and that we will, ha- ha- we will stand before the Lord for every careless word we speak drives me into the arms of Jesus for forgiveness and for cleansing. It drives me to God that as Psalm 40 verse 3 says, He put a new song in my mouth, a song of praise to our God. We can't tame our tongues, but He can when we try, it's behavior modification. But what we need is actually for not this to be fixed, but for this to be fixed. We need a new heart. We need a new spirit within us. We need—we don't just need um, behavior change. What we need is to be made new. I can tell you in my life that I so often need a new heart, a new song. I need to be filled with the Spirit. I need to walk by the Spirit. And I can't tame my tongue, but He can. And He does that by giving us a new heart. He does us that by giving us the words to speak. He does that through what Galatians 2.20 says, that I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in God who loved me and gave Himself up for me. I cannot tame my tongue, but He can do that through the old my old self being gone by by living by the spirit as opposed to the flesh as galatians 5:22 says the fruit of the spirit is love joy peace patience kindness goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. When the Spirit is in us, the the things that will come from our mouth, when He has given us a new heart, when He's changed us, when He's given us a new song, the things that come of our mouth will be love and joy and peace and patience. And so when we're seeing that our tongue is not where it should be, it's exposing a heart problem. It should drive us to Christ. But we're not absolved in this, right? It's not like just, well, I can't, he can, all right, let's go home. Like, I I wish it was that easy, but it's not because we are called to yield to the Spirit, to submit to the Spirit, to surrender to the Spirit. We're called to walk by the Spirit. Even James chapter 4, verse 7 through 8 says, Submit yourselves therefore to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. So we have this kind of responsibility for those of us who have a relationship with Christ that we would submit ourselves to God that we would resist what the enemy is encouraging us to do with our tongue. And then it goes on and it says draw near to God and he will draw near to you cleanse your hands you sinners and purify your hearts. The way that 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 this change happens in our life is that when we truly give our lives to the Lord when we when we lay our lives down at the feet of Christ He cleanses us, He purifies us, and He changes us because we have a new heart, we're we're new. How do we tame our tongue? We can't, but He can. And I really almost stopped the message right there. But I feel like if we stop right there, we're going to kind of put it on Him. Like, well, if I had a bad day at work and I said something I shouldn't have, well, God, He was supposed to do it, and He didn't do it. I tried, you know. And so what I want to do is I want to give us ten practical things in order for us to to yield to the Spirit for Him to be who communicates from us. Uh, Maybe another way to say it is I'm going to give ten things that you can see um, if a person is doing these things, you can see that the Spirit is at work in their heart to make sure that what they say is wise. Ten practical steps so that we're not people who just take our, um, this is is like, this is so me. Because normally what happens in, in everyday life is I just, somebody does something, I just boom. Somebody else says something, I just, you know, I just boom, boom, just boom, boom. Yeah, I can't go that way. I'm a lefty, so... But how many of us, really, that's, that, that signifies what our life looks like? So, ten practical things that we can do to seek to, to join the Spirit in what He's doing in our hearts, that we may speak with a tame tongue. The first one is this, and I'm actually going to be even using some PowerPoint, Kevin. Ten practical things. Number one, be careful with our words. It's... It, sounds easy, but be careful with what we say. Ecclesiastes chapter 3, 7 says this, there's a time to keep silent and there's a time to speak. I think that there's this misconception that taming our tongues means we never say anything. We have this idea that if I'm going to tame my tongue, then even if my spouse, if my kid, if my friend, if they, if they make me mad, I'm just not going to say anything. If I, if I see a problem in, in someone's life, I'm not going to say it. That's what taming the tongue means. And that's not true. That's not at all true. Taming our tongue, um, being careful with our words, means that there's a time to be silent, but there's also a time to speak. Taming your tongue is not just that you just don't say anything ever, but you have to be careful in how you say it. Proverbs 17, 27 says, whoever restrains his words has knowledge, and he who has a cool spirit is a man of understanding. Proverbs 10, 19 says that when words are many, transgression is not lacking. Proverbs 15, 28, the heart of the righteous ponders how to answer, but the mouth of the wicked pours out evil things. If we want the Spirit to be who communicates through us, our part is being careful with the words that we use. Number two, pray before you speak. Man, I am guilty of this something, thought pops in my head, just boom, it pops right back out. But we should pray before we speak. Psalm 141 verse 3 says this, Set a guard, O Lord, over my mouth. Watch over the doors of my lips. What would it look like if those of us who are followers of Christ is, we're in this conversation, especially moments when we're, when we're tired, if we would say, God, Watch over my lips. Watch over my mouth before we spoke. What about when we're hungry? Has anybody ever seen that shirt that says, Forgive me for what I said when I was hungry? If we were careful with our words and we prayed before we spoke, what about when we're angry, when we're upset or feeling stressed out? What about moments in your life if you're feeling insecure? Pray before you speak. What about moments? that you feel misunderstood, or if you feel like someone is questioning your character. If we were careful with our words, we prayed before we spoke. Number three, ask others to pray for you in the area or invite accountability. I know for my wife, who would never use her tongue inappropriately, that's not true, she does. She even said something really mean to me not that long ago, but I'm not going to tell you about it. Too long a story. It also shines negatively on me, so <laughs> not doing that while I'm up here, anyway. Ask others for prayer. My wife, you know, like at school, she's a teacher, right? There's moments where students can frustrate you, other teachers could frustrate you, administration could frustrate you. There's all these things that could happen, right? Just the, not being a beautiful day could give you all these things that you want to say. And so my wife has another teacher friend that she can say, "Hey, listen." man, I can be negative. I can be harsh. I can be all these different things. Will you just keep me accountable that, that what comes out of here is tamed? And she invites accountability. And there's probably people in this room who would say, man, if I had another believer at work, that would be so great. I could do that. But everybody else at work is just a heathen. So what am I? They're not going to care what I say. But can you imagine, p- picture this scenario. You go up to somebody at work who, who does not claim to be a follower of Christ in any way, shape, or form, and you said to them, I feel like the way that I talk about our boss or the way that I talk about other people at work or our clients, I don't want to be known for that. So, I want you to know that I'm going to do my best through the Lord for that to be different. And I want to ask you that if you see me not do it, if you just say, yep, I saw it, imagine what that would speak to that person at work or on that committee or what about a neighbor? You know, I can struggle with yelling at my kids when I get frustrated. Um, it's just a shame you said he can. <laughs> but what if I went over to one of my neighbors? One of my neighbors, I don't think I've ever heard him yell at his kid. And what if I went over to him and I said, I can struggle in my frustration and my anger to yell at my kids. And I have noticed that you don't tend to do that, or at least you close the door before you do it. Um, but I just want you to know that I struggle with that, and I invite you, if you hear it, to challenge me on it. Believer or non-believer, think about what that could do in in a relationship between the two of you, but also what it could do to promote the name of Jesus. So, for those of us who desire for the Spirit to speak through us, one, we're going to be careful with our words. Two, we're going to pray before we speak. Three, we're going to invite accountability. Number four, spend time with God regularly. I mean, this is, this is the answer for pretty much any sermon. There's something that happens when we sit before the Lord. Um, we lay down our life before Him and He renews us. He, he, tr- he changes the, the pattern, the direction that we're going. He transforms us. And, and so I can tell you in my own life, I have really sought over the past year and a half to, before I leave the house spend time in the Word. And I even try before my kids wake up to at least have spent a little bit of time in the Word. And I can tell you from my own life, um, that has made a difference. makes a huge difference. Number five, listen to God throughout the day. I can be so guilty of treating my time in the morning like I plug in, I get a little uh, electrical outlet, boom, plug in, I get God to fill me up and then I unplug and go throughout my day. And what happens is I'm living off of a battery that begins to drain and drain and drain and drain. And so later in the day, it's much more likely that I say something way worse than what I would earlier in the day. But it's because I can struggle with just listening to the Lord throughout the entire day. Um, Psalm 119 verse 173 says, Let your hand be ready to help me, for I have chosen your precepts. Like, God's hand is there ready to help us if we listen. There's... So, uh, excuse me, 1 Corinthians 10, 13. No temptation has overtaken you, but what's common to man, God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. How I many? how often do, are we tempted to say something like, man, and you're about to, but the, the rest of that verse says this, that God is faithful. He will not tempt you beyond your ability. And it says, or excuse me, not let you be tempted beyond your ability, but with temptation, he will also provide a way of escape. If we're listening to the Lord, he is going to be right there to just. Again, there's times that we say it and there's times that we don't. And He will help decide when and how and if we speak, if we're listening to Him throughout the day. Number six, start with grace. You start with grace. Someone's mad at you, someone's frustrated at you, someone is questioning your character, anything that can happen throughout the day, you start with grace. Colossians 4.6 says, let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer each person. Proverbs 16.24 says this, gracious words are like a honeycomb. Sweetness to the soul and health to the body. We start with grace. Um, For me, what that means is that I have to be constantly reminded of how much God has forgiven me. I have to constantly be paying attention to how gracious God has been to me. I don't know how many people have heard the saying, hurt people hurt people. Anybody ever heard that? If someone has gone through their life and they've been hurt, chances are they're going to hurt people. But in the same way that hurt people tend to hurt people, I have found that loved people tend to love people. Forgiven people tend to forgive people. And people who have profoundly and radically seen grace tend to be gracious. And so for me, it starts with being reminded of all that I have been forgiven. That 10-year-old jerk Brian saying those awful things to people, "God God has forgiven me. I can go through dozens and hundreds and millions of things that I have done or said. And for those of us who are in Christ, we have been forgiven. There's no condemnation for us. It's this beautiful thing. And so when I can um, be reminded of the grace that I have received, it allows me to be gracious to other people. Number seven, seek for ways to build people up. Ephesians 4.29, let no corrupting talk come from our mouths, only what is building up as it fits for the occasion. We seek to build people up. I'm going to move a little quick. Number eight, always speak in love. If we're constantly speaking in love, then we're probably not going to gossip or slander or make fun of someone. So we speak in love, Ephesians 4.15, rather speaking the truth in love. So even in those moments when we do need to say something, it is an appropriate time to say, I think that what you're doing is not healthy for you, or the way that you did this or said this has really hurt me. There's a moment when we need to speak, but when we speak, taming our tongue is not just being quiet, taming our tongue is learning to speak in love. Throughout the Word, we're called to love our neighbors just as He has loved us. We're called to love our neighbor as we're said that It's said that we will be known by our love. So man, when, when you begin to see someone using their words, um, always speaking in love, you can see that the Spirit is at work in that person. Number nine, always speaking truth. Man, it is so easy to embellish or exaggerate. There's someone who I know who almost every story, it's like, it didn't happen like that. (laughs) We can exaggerate, we can embellish, we can tell half-truths. But Matthew chapter 5, verse 33-37, and also in James chapter 5, it says this, You've heard it said, from those of old, you shall not swear falsely. Let what you say be yes or no. Like, how many times have you met somebody who they've said, no, I swear, I'm, I'm telling you the truth, I promise. Usually the reason why they're going so hard into making you believe that they're telling the truth is because oftentimes they're not. Right? It's like, no, those first three times, don't listen, but I was saying those first three times, those were lies, but now I'm telling the truth. I swear. But if we are known as a person who always speaks truth, if the Lord has tamed our tongue and the Spirit is at work within us, then everything that comes from our mouth would be that of truth. Number 10, listen to the words that you use. So not only going back into Kevin's message last week of us being able to listen to what someone else is saying to us and listening fully to what they're saying to us, we should become regular um, it should be a regular thing in our life that we listen to the words that come out of our mouth as well. Because when we begin to listen to the words that come out of our mouth, they expose our heart. And the same way that when we go to the doctor, we'd get our temperature checked, right? And if there's a problem, what happens? They're going to do something about it right away. And what we should be doing, if we want the Spirit to be at work in our lives, then what we need to do is we need to, to listen to the words that come from our heart or from our mouth because they're exposing our heart And then we should be regularly checking our temperature, regularly checking our blood pressure so that we can see what it is that's going on in our hearts. And when we see that critical tongue exposing a heart issue or when we see the exaggerating tongue exposes a heart problem, when we we see that, we go straight to the doctor right away for forgiveness, for cleansing. And we go to the Lord and we're able to say, God, Only you can soften my hardened heart. Only you can change my critical heart. Only you can fix this judgmental spirit that I have in in me. So, for those who are seeking to allow the Spirit to work in them and for them to have a tame tongue, they'll be careful with their words, they'll pray before they speak. They'll invite accountability. They'll spend regular time with the Lord. They'll listen to Him throughout the day. They'll start with grace. They'll seek to find ways to build people up. They'll speak in love. They'll speak truthfully, and they'll listen to their words because they expose their own hearts. Let me wrap it up. Why should I be slow to speak? Because once your words are out, they're out there. Why should I learn to be slow to speak? Because there is tremendous power in our words. Even life and death are in our words. How can we tame our tongues? We can't. Because the words come from our heart. But He can tame our tongues. He does it by giving us a new spirit, putting a new song in our mouth, giving us His Spirit. And that, if we have His Spirit within us, Think about the, the, the power of this. If, if we have His Spirit in us, that means that we as individuals, that, that we as a church, that we can be a people whose tongues build up. Our tongues can spread love. Our tongues can be a fountain of life. They can bring truth. They can bring good news. They can bless others. They can praise God. They can make glad. They can feed people. They can give hope. With our mouth, we can tell people about the love and the forgiveness of Jesus Christ. We can share about the change that He can make in our lives. James one nineteen says that each of us should be quick to listen and slow to speak. Let's pray. God, um, With this message, you have brought tremendous conviction in my heart. And you have brought tremendous forgiveness. God, I am so thankful for the ways that you have forgiven me. I'm so thankful for the ways that you have cleansed me, that you've purified me. And and God, I know that I have a long way to go. But God, I, I desire that my life would be one that is laid down at the cross. That my life would be one that is walking by the Spirit. That my life would be a life where Brian has been crucified, but it is no longer Brian that is living, but it is Christ in him. And, and God, I, I pray that that would be the case for a lot of us in this room, for all of us in this room. God, there is tremendous power in our words. And, and God, I just pray that you, would, um, that you would just work in each of our hearts. And God, I thank You most of all with words that in the beginning was the Word. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And so God, I pray that when the words that come from our mouth will, will remind us that, that You, the Word, came to earth. God, forgive us. Make us new and allow us to yield to you with the words that we speak. In Jesus' name, amen.